Welcome to the Bharatwartha Weekly. Fine Sunday morning here in Bangalore. I'm joined by Abhishek and Nirav to bring you the news and events of the week. Hi Abhishek. Hi Nirav. How are you guys doing? Hi Gary. Hi Nirav. Doing good. Hi Gary. Hi Abhishek. All good here. It's always uh, hot and sultry in Singapore. Weather never changes. Of course. Yeah, plenty to talk about uh, on this weekly. Uh, India has signed a mega deal with Airbus. Of course, the IPL has restarted. Then there was the whole China Evergrande uh, crisis. Then the Sony and uh, Z merger. Uh, of course, uh, Prime Minister Modi's meeting at UNGA and so on and so forth. Uh, so before that, we'll chat about the episodes we put out last week. Uh, interestingly, both international guests, Bharatwartha is becoming slightly Vishwavartha, but uh, uh, yeah, this, this both of these episodes are amazing, actually. Uh, it was obviously a, a, a privilege and honor to talk to Sir Jeffrey Archer. He sold over 330 million uh, uh, copies worldwide and such an articulate, witty person, uh, right? Uh, so Abhishek, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think... The main thing was that he thought you have a future in Bollywood, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Apart from that, I think uh, an interesting facet which many people may not know is how much of a big cricket fan yeah. he is. And so, obviously, he he talked a lot about his love for test cricket and things like that. So, good, good fun to watch. Yeah. I don't think you took my joke too well. That will be 3-1 up. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we had another interesting uh, uh, conversation with uh, Major General Mick Ryan. Uh, this is in the Velina's talk series. And I think uh, it covered like a very broad bunch of topics, right, uh, Nirav? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, not only he's talking about like future of war, but he's also uh, discussing about like the major uh, shifts in geopolitics and international relations. Uh, he also mentioned like the uh, three basic challenges. One was technology. Uh, one was... Uh, demographics and uh, one was the changing geopolitics so uh, that is like uh, quite an interesting episode covers a wide breadth of topics and uh, very interesting uh, given the new uh, geopolitical alliances which are made like AUKUS or Quad so definitely it's very insightful. No for sure I think uh, the whole wellness talk uh, series is coming out really well right uh, as we're going towards uh, or rather I mean as we're in a multipolar world all of these new alliances what it means to India and so on I think it can be really really interesting so we have quite a few episodes coming up on that uh, series as well do check it out let us know what you think. Alright let's start with uh, the first piece of news for the week. The Indian government has signed a mega deal with Airbus for 56 military transport aircrafts. The contract is worth 20,000 crore rupees and it is to procure these 56 uh, aircrafts uh, which will replace the IAF's Avro 748 planes. The first 16 of these will be de delivered in flyaway condition from Spain uh, between the next two and four years. The remaining 40 will be manufactured by Tata Advanced Systems along with Airbus in India. Abhishek, uh, what do you think about this? I mean, it seems like a big step forward for the IAF transport fleet, right? It's I don't know if it's surprising or not, but it seems this whole uh, project or deal, whatever you call it, has been in discussion since 2012. So it kind of gives us an idea of how long sometimes it takes uh, for these things to come to fruition. I mean, you would think that things which are critical to the military would take lesser time. But unfortunately, we have seen time and again that things take a lot of time. So actually, it's good, always good news when we find out that something like this is actually 
concluded at least in terms of the decision making and finalizing the vendor and so on right so yeah 56 planes 16 to be made in spain the remaining 40 to be made in india uh, so the india part will be taken care of by the tatas right in partnership with airbus so the next interesting question mark is which location will be chosen all right so there is some talk of uh, bangalore and hyderabad being in the reckoning but also that uh, Uttar Pradesh is also a key contender in this. Whichever location finally gets selected will, uh, you know, really benefit in terms of not only, obviously, whatever, whenever a big industry is set up, you know, you will have also have a lot of uh, allied and ancillary activities around it, right? So the benefit is always like multiple times of the a big investment right so yeah let's look forward looking forward to you know seeing uh, india manufacture uh, such uh, military aviation uh, within the country that itself will be a big achievement i think over a period of time the while the engines i believe of all the india made uh, aircrafts will also be foreign made and uh, there will also be tech transfer that will eventually happen over the course of this project so that will mean that in the future future requirements india can also uh, manufacture these key engines within the country so all in all a good development and let's see what the next stage is in terms of identifying the location no i think uh, the technology transfer part is a key part right i mean i think it will uh, spur a lot of indigenous development as well and i think with everything that's happening within manufacturing in India at this point of time, whether it's Make in India, PLIs, uh, and plenty more, right? Uh, it's an excellent uh, step forward. All right, moving on. Uh, in some global news, China's Evergrande has missed its payment deadline yet again. Now, you might ask why we care, but Evergrande owes $305 billion and has run out of cash. The investors are worried a collapse would pose a systemic risk to China's financial system. Evergrande's share price has already fallen to one-sixth of its level a year ago. Analysts are saying the company is too big to fail, but uh, Beijing might not be uh, able to bail them out due to the recent credit reforms. Nirav, you've been tracking this pretty closely, right? I mean, it seems like yeah. an alarming situation. No, so uh, I think, what are your thoughts on this? So in China, the whole property sector, actually anywhere in the world, is always a very big leverage play. Uh, what has happened is in China, property prices have shot through the roof and affordability is a big problem. So as per China's policy uh, led by Xi Jinping, I think key one is uh, family values where they want like they've increased the uh, limit to three children. Uh, but what happens is real high real estate prices are all are the biggest contraceptive in the world because you find it difficult to have a bigger family. So that is one of their concerns. Uh, last year, the government had put down three red lines uh, as a policy for these large uh, real estate developers. They could not have uh, more than 70% uh, debt to equity. They could not, they needed to have cash uh, greater than the short term debt maturing. And they had to have a gearing of not more than one is to one on each uh, property project. So these kind of restrictions came in and a lot of the large property developers. So Evergrande is now the second biggest, but uh, it used to be the biggest property developer. Uh, they financed their rise a lot through foreign borrowings. So they borrowed overseas, bought a lot of land banks from the local governments. Uh, they've built up a huge part of the development in China, uh, having construction projects in 270 cities. It's just unimaginable in any other country, even in India, uh, where uh, real estate is a very local uh, subject, right? So 
they have uh, 1200 projects ongoing uh, 1.5 million flats under construction that just gives you the scale of this behemoth at its peak its market cap was about 50 billion dollars of equity and 300 billion dollars of debt now due to the stress from one and a half year ago so from pre covid till now it's fallen down to like four and a half billion dollars worth of market cap so there are it's a very complex issue i think they will be planning one sort of a bailout they didn't want a lot of these uh, property developers getting very rich while a common citizen finds it very difficult to own property so there is a fine balance uh, they also don't want property prices to collapse because if that collapses there's a big uh, fear or panic amongst uh, retail uh, people who have a lot of their wealth uh, in property right so they have to thread a needle most probably they'll come in with some sort of an orderly default there will be restructuring uh, there's a lot of comp so one of the offshoots is for these it's not just Evergrande, but a lot of other Chinese property developers who borrow from overseas. How does this restructuring affect foreign investors? And if they are left uh, with uh, like a much worse situation, then you might see that people want to have a higher risk weighting to China or they need higher return from the same investment. So I think that will see diversification away from China, probably India, but like also South Korea, Indonesia would see some benefit. And uh, one part uh, to be highlighted is, so for these property developers, each project uh, in say one of the smaller cities in China, each project is, uh, they take a bank loan against a project that is ring fenced. The profits from that is held by a local company called Hangda. So that has a lot of debt with uh, Chinese banks. And also they've paid a lot of their suppliers in uh, IOU notes or credit uh, commercial paper. So uh, that is pending from the level of Hangda and its parent company is uh, Evergrande, which is listed in Hong Kong and has borrowed money overseas. So if you look at it from who gets paid first is the people who have the projects which are under completion. You need to deliver those projects, then pay off the local banks, then pay off the bigger banks. And then finally, if anything is left over, the foreign investors would get paid. And if that happens, uh, I think that's a big confidence shaken in the system. We've also seen equity investors losing out money on tech companies. I think the uh, bond investors will get, uh, if they have like a much bigger loss, the bonds are trading 25 cents so uh, to the dollar. So if they see a much bigger loss, probably the confidence is shaken. So it's very interesting. It'll develop over the next three months how this goes on. Uh, it's interesting to see the implications and it's going to be much wider. For India, uh, if construction slows down in China, that's the biggest steel importer, uh, uh, steel and iron ore prices crash. So Indian steel companies saw their share prices crash. But uh, I don't think it's a systemic issue like Lehman, where the Chinese banks uh, need a bailout, etc. Uh, even despite the large size. Uh, remember, China is five times bigger than India. So I think... Uh, it will be managed, but I think investor confidence will be shaken. And it's coinciding. I mean, in totally unrelated matters, it's kind of coinciding with one of the biggest real estate rallies we're seeing in the Indian stock market, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Are they, are they related though? I mean, I thought it's pretty unrelated. Think, no, that is, no, that is completely unrelated. I think yeah. in India, what has happened, more work from home, 
people are spending yeah, yeah. more time at home and then they are wanting a demand has picked up yeah yes i guess demand has picked up yeah all right uh, moving on to some news from the world of sports uh, the ipl has started and the remaining matches are being played in uae a total number of 31 matches will be played uh, in the duration of 27 days these matches were postponed in may due to the second wave of the pandemic the first qualifier will be played in dubai on october 10th uh, the eliminator and qualifier 2 will be played in sharjah on october 11th and 13th so all of us are cricket fans here some of us are more t20 fans than others so abhishek i'll abhishek your comments abhishek is on mute while he figures that out yeah I yeah think, uh, no no so <laughs> i hope i'm audible now right yeah 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 so i'm saying abhishek, uh, so 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 jeffrey archer is judging you <laughs> yeah so uh, the ipl uh, restart is kind of the prelude to the t20 world cup also right that will happen immediately after the ipl so the cricket world i mean lot of things have been happening in the recent weeks uh, the ipl obviously is a key factor but you know there have been like cancellations all over right with india not playing the final match in england then uh, new zealand and england both backing out of the pakistan tours right and uh, uh, at the same time indian cricket uh, captaincy related talks are happening right with kohli firstly coming out from the t20 captaincy of india and then uh, also saying that this will be his last season as captain for rcb right so a lot of off field things have actually taken the limelight uh, Uh, while the ipl has restarted i think the interesting thing to watch out is how covid related challenges are uh, managed so actually one of the teams had a few players uh, you know getting positive tested right but the games went on and i think one key difference is that uh, versus let's say if a similar thing happened during the test match was that this uh, i i mean your exposure is only for like 40 overs at a time right and then you can do a reset and you know you will have other players to pick from right if the certain players fall ill while in a test match you are sort of locked in for 5 year 5 uh, days right so t20 matches should probably be able to deal better with any covid related challenges and i mean i don't think we will have we can have like complete uh bio bubbles uh, like last year right i think people have moved on and there is lot more activity that is i guess happening so uh, i guess it's just that we have uh, teams have to manage uh, any covid related contingencies that may come up during the ipl and the world cup right so who are your favorites to win so unfortunately RCB is back to its old style i guess they've lost couple of matches after the restart i think kohli's lack of form is continues to be a concern although he scored a few in the last game i think delhi is looking a pretty good side and if rcb can't win i would rather delhi see delhi win right yeah at this rate i think uh, mr nags can open the batting <laughs> and captain uh, rcb i think right um all right moving on uh, in some equally exciting news i would say uh, 
Zee Entertainment and Zoni Picture, Zoni Pictures. Sorry, I think I merged Zee and Sony to call it Zoni. So, well, there's that. So, Zee Entertainment and Sony Pictures uh, India have entered a surprise, entered into a surprise deal. If the deal goes through, it will create India's second largest entertainment network by revenue and spawn an entity of 75 TV channels, two video streaming platforms, two film studios, and a digital content studio. The merger proposal proposes that Puneet Goenka can stay on as uh, MD and CEO of the merged entity for at least five years after completion of the deal. However, this clause has uh, developed with the entry of Invesco into the negotiations. Um, Nira, what is really happening with this whole Zoni saga? Yeah, sure. So uh, if you go back in history, I think uh, Subhash Chandra Onzi had uh, invested in a lot of unrelated businesses, had gone into road construction to solar power plants, and they were a little bit stressed uh, in terms of uh, having too much uh, on their plate. Uh, it was financially stressed and uh, they were looking at a merger, uh, even with Sony like a few years ago or with like Reliance's uh, Viacom 18. So that time it didn't go through. Uh, they got a financial backer, uh, Invesco, which is a private equity company. But like Invesco was uh, looking to uh, remove the MD Puneet Goenka and they wanted to appoint their own guy because they're saying that Z, despite like a very wide coverage, uh, very wide channels, it's uh, not performing as well or not growing as fast. Here, what has happened is uh, they found a white knight. So they've got in uh, Sony India to have a merger. And uh, so here, uh, this will be an all share transaction. Uh, under this condition, uh, you will see uh, Puneet Goenka uh, being retained as MD. Uh, Invesco has about 18% shares of Z, uh, which uh, will be diluted. So it's going to be like 61% Z and 39% Sony. Uh, the company will continue to be listed in India. So I think you're seeing some sort of a consolidation. Uh, you're seeing uh, these have also a lot of uh, competition now, not just from your domestic players, also the international players like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Hotstar, they're all uh, looking for uh, our attention or eyeballs. And uh, so you're a stronger, more consolidated player would be uh, uh, equipped to take them on. Uh, also like content creation, it helps with having two digital content uh, studios. So I think it's a positive. Uh, the space was quite competitive and in such a case, sometimes you see that each one struggles for profitability. So some sort of consolidation was to be expected. And uh, probably if it goes through, we see a uh, second biggest uh, media house, uh, that's a behemoth and it's good for consumers, right? So we didn't want Z to fail. So no, it's absolutely great. Right. And as usual, I sold Z right before the rally. So God bless. All right, uh, Prime Minister Modi's visit to the US has been extremely fruitful. Uh, uh, plenty of uh, news and events uh, surrounding this. On the first day, the Prime Minister met with the semiconductor manufacturer Qualcomm, uh, software leader Adobe, General Adamix, and more. Then in the second leg of his visit, he held bilateral meetings with uh, uh, the American President, uh, Mr. Joe Biden. Uh, he also spoke at the United States General Assembly on the dangers of, to quote, regressive thinking and extremism. He also touched on issues such as ocean conversation, uh, ocean conservation, and the need for a diversified approach uh, to the global economy in a post-COVID world. Abhishek, what are some things that stood out uh, for you on this trip? Yeah, so this is uh, the first trip for 
our first meeting between Mr. Modi and President Biden, right? Uh, after uh, Joe Biden became the US president. Uh, I think this was a trip which was kind of, I mean, things have been quite on expected lines. Uh, the usual meetings with some of the big business leaders generally happens on each visit by Prime Minister Modi, right? So we saw similar uh, things again this time, including some of the companies you mentioned, but also let's say an Adobe or a Blackstone, right? So all those companies, uh, CEOs were uh, met Mr. Modi. Uh, uh, then we had the meeting with the vice president, Kamala Harris, right? Uh, so, I mean, uh, the interesting thing on that was uh, how that meeting, uh, like what would be the reaction of folks to that meeting? So I was watching a, uh, video by Shekhar Gupta in which uh, he was kind of in a provocative way saying that, you know, uh, Kamala Harris uh, managed to admonish uh, Mr. Modi by saying, by bringing up the topic of democracy, right? So it's almost like among the commentators today, if the word democracy is used, uh, it is almost a sign that uh, you know, India is being admonished because a few think tanks in the West have uh, downgraded India's democra democracy ratings. Uh, I think Mr. Modi sees it in a different way. I mean, he 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 mentioned or he called India as the mother of democracies in his address at UN, which is an interesting phrase. Uh, uh, but I don't think uh, the Indian uh, political leadership is out there admitting that India's uh, democratic standing has gone down in any way. So anyway, I mean, this is uh, more than substance. It's probably something for the media and commentators to keep themselves busy. Uh, coming to, so the other couple of things where his one-on-one uh, -on -one meeting with uh, President Biden, uh, and also the Quad Summit, right? The first ever Quad Summit. And again, they talked about the usual things like uh, the free and open Indo-Pacific cooperation on uh, vaccines, uh, environmental conservation, as you said, and things like that. I think the biggest headline, though, from the uh, summit or, or during these days has been the speech or the response given by right. uh, during the uh, uh, United Nations session where uh, she gave a pretty uh, memorable uh, line of calling Pakistan an arsonist pretending to be a firefighter, right? So, yeah, I mean, just the usual stuff uh, that one expects uh, whenever India and Pakistan speak in the UN. Yeah, I think that line uh, that that was originally quoted by uh, Professor Christine, Christine Fair, I think. Fair, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She calls her, she says that pretty often. I think the other highlight also for me was uh, President Biden saying the Indian media is better behaved than the American press, right? Yeah, so that also, I mean, <laughs> that's a statement which is 
which was being used by some commentators in india to beat up on indian media saying that the press the only good press is a badly behaved press right otherwise you are sort of a uh, compliant kind of press i think i mean i guess each side sees the other side as uh, or their own media as badly behaved so anyway quite amusing overall yeah so uh, to round things off uh... very interesting news britain's shortage of truck drivers has forced fuel rationing at filling stations wow um, the government is looking to issue up to 5000 temporary work visas to alleviate the labor shortage the uk's road haulage association says the country needs 100000 more drivers if it is to meet demand um nira we are seeing something some something similar happen in germany and the us as well uh, is there like an overlying uh, you know uh, reason for why this is happening yeah so i think the basic reason is covid so what has happened is uh, due to covid in between where a uh, lot of people were staying at home a uh, lot of these uh, truck drivers were uh, shipping less goods because people are not going to restaurants some a lot of demand for few goods fell down so uk also was part of the eu and you had like a free access for european workers but the ones who are not already there they can't get in easily now uh, so they have to apply for a visa so what has happened is that due to covid a lot of truck drivers last year they kind of couldn't find enough employment so a lot of them left uk and went back to their home countries and now that economy has started opening up and everything you're seeing like this is a very big supply shortage a supply bottleneck and uh, so hence you're seeing this kind of a supply shock where there are not enough drivers to haul uh, trucks around and this leads to panic where they all know there's shortage of fuel so the first thing what every person does is go and fill up their own tank which is seen like some petrol stations run out of fuel so there's like a little bit of a panic there there's another story as well uh which is uh there's a big uh, natural gas shortage so what has happened is you've had uh, uh uk and a lot of the european countries have transitioned uh, to renewables and they've mothballed old coal fired power plants so the balance is uh, uh the balance is covered by natural gas fired power plants uh what has happened is you've had a little less breezy and a less sunny europe in the last couple of weeks so this has seen a lot lower renewable energy generation and hence the natural gas prices have shot up and the natural gas prices of uh, the power plants are like operating at full capacity and uh, that has caused another bottleneck so a lot of the other fuel which was not usually used you are using like fuel oil fired power plants are being used uh, there is some talks of getting coal fired power plants which are mothballed to start operating again as a temporary thing so that is also caused another problem uh, which tells you that the transition to renewable energy is a lot more volatile so that is also like another thing a part of the same story uh, people are embracing for a winter of discontent this is margaret thatcher's words or like as game of thrones says it winter is coming so in europe i think a few of these things will keep popping up uh, that's going to be a little bit unfortunate but interesting news so what has happened is the world suddenly shut down if you are going in a car you slam the brakes hard and that was covid but then the government put in a lot of stimulus and all of that and now you are accelerating very hard so obviously there is going to be some friction a uh, little bit of issues they're trying to resolve it by giving some temporary work visas 
a lot of truck drivers who kind of went into retirement they've been called back so hopefully this gets sorted out soon uh, energy prices once they go through the roof then other forms of energy start operating so let's see but uh, definitely this probably means that we see more such shocks so bigger booms and say bigger busts in like prices of these commodities and uh, there's going to be like more volatility in inflation and prices downstream for everything just in a related uh, uh, news right i mean the the fact that germany decided to shut down all the nuclear power plants after fukushima how much of a factor was has yeah. that played into all of this so i think that also is like a very big factor so what happens yeah. is that nuclear is probably the uh, greenest fuel but in case of like a tail risk event it can uh, melt down and have like a much wider repercussion so i think in terms of energy transition you need some sort of a balance uh, some percentage of nuclear some percentage of renewables and until you have like much better battery storage or utility scale storage probably some amount of coal fired power plants might still be needed so as i say like i think the transition is going to be a little bit choppy mm. uh, but uh, i think we need to embrace that so it is you have to accept the reality here right all right so that's uh, that's the end of the weekly for uh, this week thank you so much for joining uh, folks uh, abhishek nirav and i are thrilled that you joined us and uh, look forward to seeing you guys next week chalo bye